This week marks the beginning of phase three for the Washington Commanders and their offseason workout program. What that means, what you should expect, and how much weight to give it all. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Tuesday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I am your host, David Harrison, dharrison82 on Twitter credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss phase three of Washington's offseason workout program and how well the Commanders do at getting young players acclimated to NFL life. And we're going to start off today's episode with a question posed by Keith who texted me last night on subtext, actually, asking about expectations for OTAs. And I really appreciate this question because I think it's important to know what's really going on to gauge how much can really be taken from what is going on. And even though this question came in after some of them that I had already kind of backloaded uh, from previous week's submissions, I wanted to go ahead and get this out because we do have our first practice of the OTA period uh, coming up on Wednesday. I'll have a reaction episode Thursday telling you everything I saw. So view this as kind of a primer, maybe a little bit of a preview to kind of what we expect to see, what it really means, and then how much to kind of weigh the the outcome uh, of what we see on the field beginning on Wednesday. So the NFL summation, right, of what's about to happen starting this week is this, quote, phase three consists of the next four weeks of the program. Teams may conduct a total of 10 days of organized team practice activities or OTAs. No live contact is permitted, but seven on seven, nine on seven, and 11 on 11 drills are permitted, end quote. So no no physical, no live contact, right? No pads, no hitting, uh, all of those things. But we will see some seven on seven, some nine on seven, and some 11 on 11 drills like the uh, like the NFL says there. So that's going to be where you kind of take away probably the most of this, right? But no live contact also means you're not getting the full pass rush experience. You're not getting the full blocking experience because of those uh, limitations. And of course, the quarterbacks know that they're not going to get sacked or they're not going to get hit. Now, the program we're referring to here, right, when we're talking about this is the offseason workout program, and it's broken up into three phases. So again, this week is beginning of the third phase, but let's talk about the entirety of the program, what it's intended to do. So OTAs mark the beginning of phase three with the first of three practices open to the media. So they've got more, but we're only going to be able to see three of them. There are a total of 10 that'll be held by the team again over the next four weeks. So for starters, we're only seeing a small portion of the work that's actually going to be happening. And believe me, the team is very intentional with what they show us and what they don't show us. So phase one uh, was the first two weeks beginning on April 17th. So that's when phase one of the offseason workout program started. So before the NFL draft even came, and that usually consists of meeting strength and conditioning coach, uh, coaching and rehabilitative work only. The big news from that phase this year was that Eric Bieniemy really got started kind of getting to know his offensive players a little bit better and imparting his vision through film study, through meetings, uh, and all these other things. And, of course, that was the uh, the time period where the Washington Commanders declined 
Chase Young's fifth-year option. Now, phase two was the next three weeks following that, and that's when teams are allowed to do individual and group instruction and drills, uh, perfect play drills, and drills with offensive players lining up across offensive players and defensive players lining up against defensive players. So you're not seeing offense versus defense yet during phase two of the offseason workout program. And when they even when they go offense on offense, defense on defense, they're only doing it at walkthrough paces. So again, it's much more uh, instructional than it is anything else. And for a guy like Eric Bieniemy, again, an opportunity to kind of start installing uh, his vision for the team. Now, teams also get a seven-week rookie development program. That started on May 15th. Uh, and within that time frame, they're allowed to do a rookie mini camp, which is what we attended a couple of weekends ago uh, following the NFL draft. You're allowed to do that either the weekend or the second weekend following the NFL draft. The Washington Commanders opted for the second weekend following the NFL draft. And that's where we got uh, our our first look at first round uh, cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, fifth round edge KJ Henry, and then, of course, undrafted receiver Jadakiss Bonds. Those three stood out the most to me while we were there at the rookie camp. And I think stood out to a lot of people. Uh, who were in attendance at the rookie camp. And that brings us to this week. So that's the first two phases. We've already gone through those phases. Now we're here in week three or phase three, and we get a chance to look at our first OTA practice Wednesday afternoon. Now, how does everything that's already happened feed into this week's activity? I actually asked Coach Rivera that question ahead of the rookie camp uh, that we saw a couple of weeks ago. And he told me, quote, we're working basics and fundamentals. But with what we want to do offensively, defensively, more than anything else, is we're going to throw a lot at these guys. Because what's going to happen is we'll go through it a couple of times with them. But when we get to the start of OTAs on the field, phase three, then we'll go back and we'll start from the beginning again, end quote. So basically what he's telling you is for the rookies and the young guys, because remember, guys, young Washington Commanders players who don't have a year of NFL experience accrued on an active time uh, are allowed to attend the mini camp. So guys like you know Aaron Montero, Nolan Laufenberg, stuff like that, they were in attendance at the rookie camp as well because they're still technically considered those first-year players. This will be their third time going through essentially the same level of install and the same level of teaching. So that kind of gives them, I don't want to say it gives them really a leg up per se because this is their first exposure to the National Football League. So some of these guys, you go to rookie camp or you show up to rookie camp and you're kind of really just getting the feel for an NFL practice. Now you're being taught and you're being instructed, right? So it's important to try to retain as much of that information and as much of that knowledge as you possibly can. But if we're being realistic, the human experience, right? A lot of that time, these guys are really kind of focused on going through what they're going through. So it's a little bit of a, of a, of a layering of information because, you know, if we gave it to you once and you didn't necessarily lock it away uh, in the brain safe, then we give it to you a second time. That gives you another exposure to it. And now we add a little bit of muscle memory. So now not only are we talking about it, we're actually out there kind of doing it at a walkthrough pace. And then we're going to layer it on uh, the OTA level again. But now you're going to get that veteran influence as well. And you're going to kind of see how they input it. So if you're, you know, so let's say for argument's sake, Emmanuel Forbes, and you're kind of like, okay, I understand the concept. I think I understand the scheme, but I'm not really feeling super comfortable with it. Well, now you bring in a guy like Benjamin St. Juice, a Kendall Fuller, someone like that, and then you kind of help you fill in uh, the rest of those gaps. Plus, more experience, obviously, uh, is going to help you get better and better at it. So that's kind of what this next phase is about, and it's really the first time we start to see the folding into the veterans with the rookies uh, and the young guys. So with that knowledge of what we're looking at of what the Washington Commanders are getting set to execute, what do we expect to see in this first OTA practice and how much can we really take away from this first OTA practice? That's going to come up next on today's episode of Lockdown Commanders, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team 
every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat face off in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Boston Celtics are trying to stave off a four-game sweep, suffering the same fate that the Los Angeles Lakers suffered after losing their game Monday night to the Denver Nuggets. And right now, the Miami Heat are favored to win that game by one and a half points on their home court. Meanwhile, the Denver Nuggets are now officially headed to the NBA Finals for the first time in team history and are minus 270 favorites to win the whole stinking thing. Right now, that's a $100 bet on FanDuel will net you $37.04 if the favored Denver Nuggets indeed make history with their first championship uh, in franchise history. No matter what you bet on, no matter how you want to bet, there's no better place to bet on playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen today and every day, every dayers. Come back tomorrow for my interview with a member of the Washington Commanders beat. Uh, another co-beat reporter will be on the show here with me for Wednesday's episode. And then, of course, Thursday, I will share with you my observations and my thoughts following our first OTA practice of the season. The first OTA practice open to the media of the season. And speaking of OTA practice, what is it that we're wanting to see and how much can we really take away from this thing when we get on ground in Ashburn on Wednesday afternoon? afternoon like we just wrapped up uh this is the beginning of phase three of the offseason program uh workout program and according to coach rivera will be the third time the rookies and young players are getting this level of instruction and install from the coaching staff but it's also the third time that these coaches are going to get a look at where they want to play certain players so that's kind of important to me and that's something that i'm going to be looking out for as we get onto the field uh this first time here on wednesday this week so last time we saw first round pick uh, Emmanuel Forbes on a football field, for example, he was lining up in the slot. And again, uh, I don't know if it was every single rep that he took was in the slot because truth be told, I don't watch Emmanuel Forbes on every single rep that he takes. I'm watching KJ Henry. I'm watching some of the other guys, some of the other uh, younger defensive backs, linebackers. And then once the veterans show up, your attention is even more split. We'll kind of get into that here in just a little bit. So when you're observing kind of all the coverage right it's important to understand that nobody there can really see everything now some now don't get me wrong the group is very communicative like there's there's really no uh there, you know everybody's a little bit competitive i suppose but there's no sense of like if i ask nikki javala hey you know did you see that interception that emmanuel had you know what did you see on that and she goes she's gonna say yeah here's what i saw and she's gonna trust that i'm gonna come back and be honest and be and have my integrity with you guys and say look i didn't see the interception but from talking to Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, here's what she saw during that interception. I saw the aftermath, yada, yada, yada. That's how we kind of, uh, if you want to call it combined forces, you can call it combined forces, right? So that's kind of an example of really kind of how these things work. Well, with Kendall Fuller now on the field, with Benjamin St. Juice now on the field, again, assuming that both of them are there and this is not mandatory. So, you know, a, a whole lot of shouldn't be taken if, if certain veterans uh, are not in attendance because, again, it's not mandatory. But, of course, the team would love for everybody to voluntarily show up uh, as well. But let's say Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice are, are there for this for this OTA practice 
uh, on Wednesday and you still have Emmanuel Forbes lining up in the slot, well, then you can probably draw some conclusions or at least begin to draw some conclusions that Emmanuel Forbes is indeed going to be your slot defender. Now, from rookie camp, what you can draw is, well, they're obviously looking at him as a possible slot defender, whether that be because that's the plan or whether it be because they just want to kind of see what it looks like. You know, whatever, that's that's kind of internal conversations that we don't really get a lot of information on. But now let's say Kendall Fuller isn't there, for example. And I'm, and I'm not saying he's not going to be, but let's just say that he's not. But you still have Forbes lined up in the slot. So Benjamin St. Juice is on the perimeter, and maybe they put a guy like Nick Whiteside on the perimeter, and they keep Emmanuel Forbes on the inside. That kind of, to me, anyway, that's like I would report back to you that to me, if that were the situation that happened, that tells me more that Emmanuel Forbes uh, is probably going to work in the slot because when they're given the opportunity to push him outside with the absence of a veteran, they don't take it. They keep him inside. Uh, and that, that typically would be an indication of what they're planning on doing with him uh, for uh, Jack Del Rio's defense. Now, is that, you know, definitive? No, it's, it's certainly not definitive. So, but it's just an example of what we can take away from this one day of watching practice. Now it's still just one day and there's two more OTAs to come. So nothing would be set in stone, but in this phase, we, you know, it's not set in stone, but in this phase, we can kind of say it's starting to get etched in clay, right? If, if, that, if the, if the uh, comparison makes sense. Now, last year, this is kind of when we first started seeing Derek Forrest getting reps with the first team. And honestly, at the time, that was a little bit surprising in these, in the, the thought process initially was kind of like, okay, well, you know, they're probably just kind of bumping them up to kind of give them some burn and all that stuff. And it wasn't until we got later into the OTAs and really early into training camp, it was kind of like, oh, this is going to be like a real deal thing. And if you remember, we all basically tapped Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton as a big first-round target for Washington in last year's NFL draft, uh, showing that we didn't really feel like Derek Forrest was going to be a guy that really, you know, his that his role on the team was going to expand as much as it did in year two compared to year one. Obviously, the team knew, and the team had bigger plans for Derek, uh, and that's what we saw executed in year two, and I think it worked pretty pretty stinking well so I, I applaud the washington commanders for having that foresight uh, and making that decision but this is kind of the time period where we're going to start seeing that type of of stuff so that's something that you can expect to see uh coming out of this thing tomorrow so i'm going to be watching where emmanuel forbes lines up and then how much to read into that how much to really take away from that uh, will be part of that discussion now sticking to the rookies remember forbes at minicamp looked really good but he also looked a little awkward right in the back pedal or if you remember uh every day if you remember us going through that you know, made some really good plays, had the interception, but he did look a little bit kind of uncomfortable in that position and kind of navigating the inside defense part of, of being a cornerback and having some of that fluidity. So when you're when you're looking at this next practice, there's been a couple of weeks, so you want to you want to see if there's that improvement uh, again. Last time, even though the the motion kind of looked awkward, still stood with his man. Like you know, never got lost, never got shook, never got burned. So it's it's one of those things where it's only a problem if it becomes a problem, but you still from a technician standpoint, want to see uh, if that movement is getting just a little bit, uh, just a little bit more clarified and then keeping an eye out for more signs of that wicked high football IQ, right? We already saw it during rookie camp. You see it on the college film, but now let's look and see if we see it uh, even just a little bit more at this stage of the development process. So that's kind of the rookies, right? So you're looking for more of that from KJ Henry. Uh, and honestly, from the rookie standpoint, Quan Martin wasn't there at the rookie minicamp. Uh, dealing with a family issue, and, and our hearts certainly go out to him and his family for his loss. But this is going to be his first time on the field that we're going to get to see. So looking forward to that as well. From the veteran standpoint, what can we look for? Well, obviously, we're going to be looking for offensive line construction, right? That's probably going to be the first thing that we all look for is who's lining up where, 
confirming jersey numbers, all those things, uh, and making sure that we are knowing who is lining up on the offensive line. And even that, like even if you know we see this certain offensive line construction, doesn't necessarily mean that's set in stone either. So it's still going to be kind of a grain of salt deal, but it gives you an idea of where the commanders already see that five-man unit taking form. Uh, but then you're also going to look at the play of the quarterbacks, Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, obviously. Uh, there's no rush. There's no pass rush, right? Um, so obviously you're not looking for a whole lot of you know escapability and all that stuff, but you are looking for confident mechanics and you're looking for ball placement. Can they can these quarterbacks put the ball where it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be there? Then there's body composition. This time of year, body composition is a big thing to see if players kind of come in looking a little bit different than they did before. Did Brian Robinson slim down a little bit, trying to get a little bit more dynamic for Eric Bieniemy's offense? That's certainly uh, something that is a possibility, not something I'm expecting necessarily, but just giving kind of some examples uh, from previous years. Did a guy like Jahan Dotson maybe put on a little bit more muscle to be able to get a little bit more physical uh, and win with a little bit more physicality? These are just kind of things like when you see a guy, we see them so often. If you look at a guy you say, man, you look bigger or man, you look smaller. Uh, then you kind of start to think, okay, well, is that is that by design? Could there be a purpose behind that? It might be something that you ask a coach, hey, we saw Brian Robinson got a little bit slimmer. Is that something you asked him to do, or is that something that you uh, knew he was doing? And you might ask B Rob himself, hey, man, you know, we saw that you're a little bit more compact this year versus, you know, last year. Is that by design? And what's the purpose there? And sometimes guys are like, hey, you know, look, I'm just, it's still the offseason. I'm still kind of in my, uh, off-season conditioning mode so no it's it's just it's just kind of a thing and it really turns out to be a non-story uh, i remember last year leonard fournette showed up to tampa bay buccaneers running uh, uh otas uh looking a little thick right looking not i'm not gonna call him fat because he certainly wasn't fat but uh looking a little thick and when he was asked about it he said no nah, you know i'm just i'm just i'll slim down i'll get back into conditioning and everything and i'll be fine and he was and it was a big story for all of about a week uh, i think it got revived for about a week during training camp but really it was a non-issue um, another thing that we're going to be looking at looking at from the veterans linebacker alignment is Cody Barton lining up in the Mike position is Jamin Davis in the will or the Sam position, depending on the alignment of the formation and strong side, weak side, all those things. Um, there are still some people that are projecting Jamin Davis to be the Mike linebacker. We know that he has been given opportunities to kind of become that Mike linebacker. So it's going to be interesting to see if Jack Del Rio is going to give him another shot there or if he's kind of come to resolution that you are uh, my, my my weak side linebacker. Uh, for lack of a better term, again, sometimes he lines up strong side, sometimes he lines up weak side, uh, not really pigeonholed into one side or the other. And then, look, there was a rookie or two and a young guy or two that kind of struggled at rookie camp, right? It just kind of is the facts of, of what it is. So we're going to be looking to see if those guys got a little bit better, see if the instruction is kind of taking hold uh, a little bit on those, those young guys. The best part is when it's all done, none of us except for a few people have all the eyes in the world. So, again, it's kind of a, a conglomerate of coverage, right? So when you see something – or when you hear something from someone, understand that we're all seeing it through kind of our lens. We're all seeing it kind of through what we witness, right? If I watch five Emmanuel Forbes reps and I don't watch the other five Emmanuel Forbes reps because I'm watching KJ Henry or I'm watching the quarterback or whatever I'm watching, and the five that I watch are not very good, and the five that I do watch are very good, well, for one, I'm going to hear that he's doing really well. So I'm going to go ask guys, like, hey, you know, what did you see versus what I saw? Because what I watched wasn't very good. And then kind of uh, com combine all that stuff. But it's just important to understand that nobody can see everything. So what we're looking for is good and improvement, right? And that good is important. And that good certainly can be taken with some confidence and as, as a building block towards something moving down the line. The bad really should be taken with a grain of salt, right? It's almost like a senior bowl situation. Like at the senior bowl, if a guy completely shines and balls out, that's absolutely great for his stock. If he struggles a little bit, it's not 
too too damning, right? You don't want to take too much of a sledgehammer uh, to that guy's reputation because there's a lot being thrown at these guys all at one time, and they're still relatively new to it. Remember, this is just one of 10 practices during this phase, and you still have all of training camp to get through uh, before we start making definitive opinions about any of these guys. So, again, first of first practice of three. So it's going to be, you know, there, it's important. Don't get me wrong, but there's going to be some grain of salt that needs to be applied to all this stuff, and we're going to see more uh, coming through rookie camp. I remember saying it's almost like a baseline for these young guys, right? This is kind of the first time you see them. That's where you want to start your evaluation process. Kind of say, okay, this is what I remember seeing uh, from you. So what do I see next time? And then continue building that. Well, this OTA practice is almost like a new baseline, right? So you kind of take that rookie baseline, you take that new bait, and this, this practice will almost be a new baseline uh, established. And you're also adding veterans into the mix. Now, the third OTA practice that we get to see here in a couple of weeks, that one will certainly be more important. And obviously, you know, if we see Emmanuel Forbes in the slot all three, then you can pretty much expect to see Emmanuel Forbes in the slot during training camp. Offensive line formation, if it doesn't change between the weeks, then again, uh, you can go ahead and, and probably chalk that up. And again, whatever you see in that third practice will probably be, be probably be closer to what you see in the actual uh, training camp session. So we're not there yet. We're at the first practice. I'll be asking uh, one of my beat reporter colleagues what he's hoping to see on the OTA practice field as well tomorrow. So make sure you come back for that. But to finish this episode today, we're going to go back to the mailbag for a question from Bill about how teams are helping prepare young guys for NFL life. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Bill asked a question, a personnel type question. Say, so we tend to forget but the players drafted are generally 21 to 23 years old, even though they are, they may be making some significant money in reality. It's their first real job in a big metropolitan area. Does the personnel department of the commanders help advise them where to choose an apartment or home? Do they help with financial advisors? I remember Archie Manning not wanting Eli to go to San Diego because they had just dumped some of their draft picks without any help to get them oriented. Does Washington provide that sort of help or the NFLPA. And Bill, it's, it's a really good question. And I'll be honest with you, it's one that I had some surface knowledge on, right? As soon as I read the question, I thought it was really good. And I had some surface knowledge on, I know that the NFL and the NFLPA and, and all that stuff, they kind of join forces to make sure that there are some programs in, in place uh, to educate players and try to help them uh, make smart decisions. They bring in NFL veterans who uh, some of them have walked really successful careers. Some of them have had not so successful careers. I remember uh, at least a few years back, hearing about Ryan Leaf showing up to some of these rookie uh, symposiums and stuff to talk to these young guys and kind of say, look, here's my experience. Here's how you can learn from me and not make the same mistakes that I did. But that's all, like, again, that's all kind of surface information, right? So I wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive for you. So I went ahead and did this research into the NFL's programs, and the NFL does have what's called an NFL development uh, pipeline. And it starts with college player development, where the league says they work closely with the NCAA to provide student athletes with information to be successful on the field while having a focus of playing professionally. So they're actually working with the NCAA while these these prospects, these future NFL players are still in school. They're actually working with the NCAA to make sure that they're kind of getting a little bit of a, of a runway into their NFL career, if that is indeed their aspiration and uh, their projected value. And they have further programs down the field where some of these guys will actually return to their schools. You know, so guys like Jonathan Allen could return to Alabama and kind of tell these up and coming Alabama players, hey, look, here's what to expect. Here's kind of how this thing works. Here's why you shouldn't tweet that thing that you're about to tweet, uh, stuff like this. So that's just part of uh, 
an ongoing college education process. Then there's the College Advisory Committee, which I think we've all pretty much heard of before. Uh, it's comprised of high-level personnel evaluators from NFL franchises and directors from two league-sanctioned scouting organizations, one of them being National Football Scouting and the other one being Blesto. Then they advise underclassmen. So the scouts do all the evaluations of these players. These two directors uh, show up. And they show up with a bunch of high-level personnel evaluators from the NFL. And they basically tell underclassmen what their draft prospects are to help them make that informed decision. Because with the football business, once you declare for the draft, you're done. You can't turn back on that, right? And so it's important for these guys, these underclassmen, to understand what it is they're walking into. If you're a junior and you're talking about going to the NFL and you get told by this advisory board, hey, you're a six-round pick at best, you're probably going to go undrafted. That can impact the decision you make. Now, I remember uh, running back Peyton Barber, who uh, spent some time here with Washington uh, towards, you know, I don't know if he's still playing, to be quite honest with you, but you you probably remember Peyton Barber. Uh, I remember his story. He got drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he was coming out of the NFL draft. The advisory board told him, like, hey, look, dude, you're not going to be a high round draft pick. If you come back to Auburn, you might be able to establish yourself better and make yourself some more money in the long run. The problem with, with Peyton Barber is he had some family issues that he needed to take care of right then and there. So he went ahead and entered the NFL draft anyway. And the money that you get as a late round draft pick is still potentially life-changing money depending on your circumstances. So he went ahead and did that. And that was a decision he made for him, his family, his life at the time. Uh, and it was absolutely the right decision. And he got a few years uh, of playing NFL football out of it as well. Last that uh, I was aware. So all of that is before you even get to the league. So before you even get to the league, you're getting access as a college player to other NFL players that came from your school. There's programs in place to educate you on kind of what the path ahead looks like. There's an advisory board. If you're an underclassman looking to enter the NFL draft, telling you kind of where to expect to be drafted or to be drafted at all. But once you're drafted, the NFL also has a rookie transition program, which they deem, quote, the most comprehensive onboarding of rookies in sports, end quote. Now, I'd have to do a di deep dive into baseballs and NBA and everybody else's rookie programs. Uh, and I, and I honestly don't have the time to do all that. So I can't really confirm or deny whether it's the most comprehensive onboarding process. Uh, but I do know that it is at least the most publicized onboarding process. And among other things in that process, the rookies, uh, the, the provides rookies with deep communication about league expectations. So rules and, and guidelines, all those things, benefits that they earn while they're active on an NFL roster and local resources for the team that they're going to along with what is available from the clubs. And that's kind of the crux of what Bill's question was. That's where the rubber really meets the road, right? It's one thing to tell guys, hey, here's what to expect on the way. But once you get there, where's the support coming from? Because that's where each team is going to differ just a little bit. So for Washington, after I got this question from Bill, I actually reached out to some of the younger players on the commander's roster myself, and I asked them for their thoughts. And here's essentially what I got. Basically, what I got is that the players show up. They work with Senior Director of Player Development, Malcolm Blacken, and he does a great job, from what I'm told, of helping their guys get situated in the area with housing, making smart dietary decisions, right? Like how to eat home uh, at home healthy, but also if you want to go out and about in Ashburn and in the greater uh, you know, DMV area, where do you eat? What are some smart decisions to make? Uh, which I think is, is huge. You know, a lot of times these young players, sometimes if they fizzle out, it's because of dietary uh, decisions. And, and, you know, in college, everything is pretty much controlled for you. Now, as a professional, you have to control it on your own. And sometimes that can be difficult. Uh, car rentals, purchases, really anything, getting family into town, if you need them into town for a reason or anything like that, there's really nothing that a good player development person isn't going to help these guys with is essentially the feedback that I got. And, and to a man, they were all happy with the assistance and guidance that they got from him. 
from the Washington Commanders when they were uh, either in their younger days or you know some of them are still younger uh, as well. And hey, you don't hear about these guys. I mean, you know, there's a lot of drama going around uh, about the Washington Commanders, but you don't usually hear about a Washington Commanders player getting into like a bad lease or a contract or you know bad uh, bad bad uh, uh, sponsorship deal or, or a spokesman deal or anything like that. So. I'd say he's probably doing a, a pretty solid job. Now, I can't speak to the Chargers, obviously, and even if I could, Eli Manning was a long time ago. But from the guys that I've talked to here with the Washington Commanders, they all seem to be pretty happy with the program that is in place. So more really solid questions from Commanders fans. You guys really bring the heat on those, and I really appreciate all of it. And I know I can't get them all in one episode because you guys ask such deep questions that take kind of layers to answer them. But we are going to keep this going all offseason long, so don't worry. Uh, we will get to as many of your questions as we can. Continue submitting them here in the live chat, in the comment section on YouTube, email at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, dharrison82, or on subtext. Coming up tomorrow, I've got another member of the Washington Commanders beat coming through here to talk to us about what he's expecting to see at the first OTA practice, his thoughts on the offseason, the sale, the quarterback competition, Chase Young, all of it. We're going to talk about a whole lot of things. If you've got future questions or comments, just throw them in the live chat, YouTube comments, or Twitter. Email me again, LockedOnCommanders.gmail.com, or send them to me directly via subtext. As always, thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day. Every day, every day, thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. I greatly appreciate your continued support of the show. And remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at JoinSubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders. Thank you so much for making me part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or you want to discuss, make sure to follow me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.